USC and UCLA will be out of the Pac-12 by 2024, and they will take the LA TV market with them. Can the Pac-12 survive? Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions, which may or may not exist in a couple of years. We're going to talk about that today. Like, comment, subscribe, wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Thank you to everybody out there who helped us get to 500 subscriptions on YouTube. Let's get to 1,000, because why not, before the conference goes away, let's just do something cool before that happens. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Those of you watching on YouTube, see that I've got a brand new guest here on the show, my good friend and former Sports Talk radio host and Stanford graduate, Dave Bargava. I haven't had a Stanford guy come on yet, and I thought, you know what? Dave knows Stanford as well as anybody. He's also as opinionated as anybody that I know. Dave, welcome to Locked On Pack 12. Thank you so much, Spencer. It is a pleasure to be on. So let's start with the biggest question right now that is on uh, the mind of really every Pac-12 sports fan, except for USC and UCLA, and you know they probably don't care quite as much at this point in time. You lose the Bruins, you lose the Trojans. You lose the TV market, you, you lose a couple big brands, UCLA bigger in basketball, USC bigger in football. Can the Pac-12 survive? Like, Is there a, is there a path forward where the conference exists in five years? Five years? There's not a path forward for this conference to exist by 2024. I don't know if you saw this, but in the wake of USC and, and UCLA leaving the conference, um, you know, obviously your favorite university, the University of Oregon, was approached and 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 all the media people wanted to know, you know, are, are you all next? Uh, are you, are you going to fall in the footsteps of, of USC and UCLA? And the answer I thought was very telling. The answer that was given by the official University of Oregon spokesperson was no comment. Now, I'm going to tell you, let me tell you one thing. If my girlfriend asked me, hey, did you go on a date with that woman over there? And I said, you know, at this time, I have no further comment. You know how much (laughs) trouble I would be in? A lot. That's not what you say. That's not what you say. It is very clear that Oregon is exploring their, their, their options. We saw earlier today that Washington's been exploring their options. Obviously, no deal is done yet. But when you look at this conference, this thing is already on life support. First things first, you're no longer the Pac-12, so you might need to rename this show. But if Oregon and Washington leave, what do you have left? Even if Oregon stays, you're telling me that Utah, which, don't get me wrong, Whittingham is an outstanding coach. They've been you know, outperforming their sort of their baseline expectations for years and years under him. It's a fantastic program, obviously always in contention for Pac-12 South, always in contention for Rose Bowl Birds, et cetera. You're telling me that these TV markets can keep things afloat? You're going to rely on Oregon State Beavers fans, the state of Utah, Northern California, and not, you know, sexy Northern California. We're talking about Stanford University fans, Stanford University students who famously can't come to the games without bringing their laptops to work on problem sets. I mean, where are the eyeballs going to come from? I have no faith in this conference to survive even until 2024. And 
I just can't believe that this is happening so fast. Like we got no signals this was going to happen. And we went from, okay, Pac-12, Power 5 conference, you know, talking about things like, should we do auto-qualifying birds? How do we bring the Pac-12 back to relevance? All the way to Pac-12 is not going to exist. ACC's freaking out. Two mega conferences forming. I mean, A, this is so unbelievably exciting. But B, if I'm a Pac-12 fan, which I am, I am absolutely uh, uh, terrified of, of what the future holds. Yeah, and the the interesting part about it is, is whether or not Oregon and Washington actually go, because there's been a lot of speculation, and I believe the official uh, wording from the University of Oregon representatives were nothing to report at this time. That would be even worse than if you told your girlfriend no comment. <laughs> like I have nothing to report at this time. Like so that that to me very clearly indicates that Oregon is looking at at, at moving to a different conference. And you have to have somebody go with you. You can't go by yourself. It's why Texas and Oklahoma went together, why USC and UCLA went together, because you have to keep the the even number of teams in a conference or else it gets really tricky and you have to pull someone else from uh, a different part of the country. That would get weird. You need a travel partner as well. I think as it pertains to the Big Ten, Oregon's most likely partner there is, is Washington. And interestingly enough, we're recording this on Friday, and this is uh, Monday's show. I was uh, I, I was talking with with Max Torres of Sports Illustrated, and we were talking over on Locked On Ducks about you know whether or not they they could potentially go, and nothing at that time when we recorded had had changed. But then I saw someone who covers college football nationally say that the Big Ten has told Oregon and Washington at this time that they are going to stand pat and, and not add more teams right now. But I mean. Again, that verbiage in there at this time, and I'm not reporting that. I'm telling you what other people say. I'm not a big J journalist. That's not my uh, not my chosen profession, and you know, probably a good thing too. But anyway, if they're told at this time we're not going to put you into the Big Ten, that doesn't mean that that it can't happen. Like that that was how I interpreted. Of okay, Oregon is clearly looking at this, and Washington logically is going to be the team that goes with them because Oregon State and Washington State, who have done some nice things, I think made some nice coaching hires, moving in a positive direction. I've talked about all that this offseason here on the show. It's not enough. They are not big enough programs for the Big Ten to say, yeah, okay, we would admit you. So Washington's the logical travel partner there for Oregon as the team you would add. And it would even make more sense to add four teams than to just add two because when you think about the extensive amount of travel that – that you're going to have to do if you're these L.A. schools, it would make some sense to have those games, which would probably be protected rivalries within the Big Ten if it ever did come to fruition with all four teams. And you could have them, you know, doing a more reasonable travel schedule where you'd have two more road games or two opponents where you'd just be going, you know, up and down the West Coast as you were before. But if, if Oregon and Washington leave, I'm with you. There's just nothing left in the Pac-12. But do you think that that is... A, a given that they're going to leave because the Big Ten has uh, apparently said right now we're, we're not going to admit you at this time, but that doesn't mean it couldn't happen later. But does that create a sliver of an opening for George Klyovkov to either talk to other Power Five schools or, or go to Oregon and Washington and say, "Look, we still believe this is the best place for you here." Is there, you know, a, a possibility that that could be the case? So ultimately, I think that you know, the, the Big Ten is sure they're saying they want to stand pat. And of course they will, because they got everything they wanted, right? They got the biggest brands from the Pac-12. You know, of course we can have the discussion whether Oregon or UCLA, but obviously USC, thanks to Pete Carroll largely, is what everyone thinks about when they think about the Pac-12 yep. when, if they don't live on the West Coast. Um, and Big Ten now has a nice 
foothold in the California recruiting market, right? California famously is the state that keeps college football alive on the West Coast, right? And now the, all these Big Ten schools, right, or Ohio State, Michigan, they're licking their lips because they're saying, now I'm not only getting, you know, some recruits from the South, obviously the bulk of my talent from the Midwest, I also have the California recruiting market. We get USC's brand, we get all that money. Ultimately, I think what, what is going to decide whether or not Oregon and Washington move is the dollar bill aspect of it, right? The reason that we're seeing all these moves happen this year, in my opinion, is large because of course these conversations have been going on for years and years. It's 100% money and it's money related to the NIL, right? Oregon is now in an incredibly tough spot, right? Because now, think about it this way. You realize that all these players are going to want to get paid. They're going to want to get the TV exposure. All these kids that maybe were going to come to Oregon are committed to USC. Now they're getting primetime games right on television. They're seeing, you know, it, it, once you're in the Big Ten Conference, you need to be paying your players the same way that, you know, a kid that goes to Ohio State, you know, making big seven figures, you're going to have to pay your players that same amount of money, right? And obviously there's still a lot of legislation that needs to shake out with regards to the NIL, but Ultimately, Oregon needs to move. Washington needs to move. So if the Big Ten says, no, we're standing pat, why don't you look at something like the ACC if you're Oregon or Washington? What's the point of staying in the Pac-12 when you know the TV money is going to dry up? You're going to lose a ton of recruiting prowess in California. You need to make a drastic move if you're Oregon. I think what you're saying about the Big Ten taking on a couple more Pac-12 teams so the travel schedule isn't as brutal, so the culture fit maybe lines up a little bit more, makes a whole lot of sense. But if the Big Ten truly is going to stand pat, and they're not just using that as a negotiating uh, uh, tactic, as, as a way to kind of get leverage in whatever kind of deal they're trying to form, why don't you as Oregon go look at the ACC? You know that Notre Dame has been looking at ACC. You mentioned that you need two teams to join a conference. How about if you're Oregon, you say, you know what, Washington, I don't need you, right? I'm going with I'm going with Notre Dame. We're joining the ACC, and now you've got you know a, a number of big programs. Obviously, you can't stand up to to the SEC now with Texas and Oklahoma. You can't really stand up to the Big Ten now with with USC, UCLA, in addition to their their powers currently. But you do have a case where you can say, hey, it's not two super conferences. It's going to be three because we're getting Notre Dame, we're getting Oregon. The ACC also has a foothold in this whole discussion. I hadn't thought about the ACC a bunch, and there's a, a reason for that. But if you think this is going to impact teams' uh, wins and loss records, then maybe you'd want to go to Bet Online to place your wagers. I know that uh, my good friend Dave here is a, a betting man, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball this year. Go Mariners! Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And it remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and my personal favorite, golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online is where the game starts. I think the ACC would be a stretch. Because I think the travel schedule and the geography is a fascinating component of L.A. schools going to the Big Ten. I mean, it's so weird. In 2024, Los Angeles is going to be Big Ten country. That is <laughs> that is a weird thing to say, but it's but it's very true. I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but doable. But the ACC, Oregon is so isolated. And if you had Notre Dame as the other team there, I think that that is a hop, skip, and a jump too far for them to go from a, a scheduling perspective. I mean, that's just an outrageous amount of travel. And you'd be, at, I mean, you'd almost want to take your team 
and have them go beyond the road for a month and just stay in hotels over at that point. I mean, it would just be so much flying all the way across the country. I don't think that would work. I've heard the SEC and Big 12 get thrown around as, you know, maybe that, that that's a place that, that Oregon could want to go. I don't think it necessarily has to be the Big Ten. The SEC would be fascinating, though. I don't know if the SEC would would take Washington necessarily, but I feel like the Big Ten or the Big 12 would, would take them. But here, here's another thought, because I've had this with regards to the Pac-12's viability going forward. If you're George Klyovkov right now, you're calling Larry Scott and leaving him an angry voicemail. And then what you're doing is trying to figure out how you could possibly keep this conference together so that you'll have a job in in a couple years. And there are a couple different routes that you could go. First way is look at Mountain West schools. And yeah, it's not going to be the same. But if you're able to keep Oregon and Washington, you could say Oregon, Washington, Utah, and then hope you know, one of those schools, maybe a, a Boise or a San Diego State or, I mean, San Diego State, now that you don't have LA schools, might make a lot of sense looking at the SoCal area, and they've been a really good program. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about that more on, on tomorrow's episode. But if you're able to do that, then you hope they can make a Utah type of leap to where they become a, a relevant team nationally and they're, you know, working their way into the top 25 consistently. I think that could be an option. But another thing you could think about if you're Klyovkov is, do you call the Big 12, which doesn't feel as dire of a situation as as the Pac-12 right now, but still it's not in a great spot losing your two flagship schools. It just doesn't feel quite as monumentous on a national level because the Big 10 is going national with their conference in going to get USC and UCLA from the state of California and the city of Los Angeles. So if you're Klyovkov, do you go... Do you pick up the phone and call the Big 12, maybe leave a second angry voicemail for Larry Scott, and then call the Big 12 and say, should we join forces here? Should we try and you know work our way in, into being one of these three mega conferences where it's the Big 10, SEC, and and the Big 12, and then you know maybe force Clemson's hand to to join join up somewhere else? Do you think that's something he could do? I think it's not out of out of the question. I think the biggest thing for the Pac-12 even let alone the fact that you're losing your biggest brand in USC, is the time zone problem. So I want to just put some numbers to it so we're on the same page and viewers are on the same page. The TV contract for the Pac-12 sounds very large, right? It's a billion dollars over 12 years. Or excuse me, $3 billion over 12 years. That's what they're currently locked into. Okay, that, that, that's a lot of money. It seems totally reasonable. The Big Ten is currently negotiating a deal that would pay them a billion per year. One billion per year. Yeah. Okay. And this is still in the negotiation process, which means you know the number is going to end up higher than that. Part of the reason is you got those big brands, you got the best rivalry in college football or Ohio State and Michigan. Of course, fine. But part of the reason is nobody watches Pac 12 games. Look, I live on the East Coast now. And in order to watch regular season Pac 12 football, you think I'm going to stay up to midnight to watch the end of your absolutely, absolutely riveting Washington State Utah game in October? Absolutely not. But if I'm sitting on my couch and it's 6 p.m. and, you know, uh, um, I get to watch the Cornhuskers just passively while I'm making dinner, of course I'm going to tune in, watch a little bit of action and, and watch a bunch of players that I've, I've never seen before. So I think you can save this conference, but I think 100% the direction you have to go is roping in the Big 12, roping in some schools that are in the middle of the country that helps you regain you know, this sort of time zone advantage that the other, other, other conferences have. 
it helps you regain uh, a little bit of a foothold in recruiting ground in different states. But to me, I think the fundamental problem with all of this and something that's not really being discussed is, can you imagine, even now, can you imagine a bunch of California kids who go to school in, in Los Angeles where the weather not, never drops below 70 degrees, there's never any wind, it barely rains, these kids are going to go play football in middle America in December. Columbus, Ohio in December. You mentioned the travel. That is a five-hour flight from Los Angeles. You get up at the crack of dawn. You fly to Columbus. When you left Los Angeles, it was 75, a little bit of cloudy. You get to Columbus. It's negative 15 degrees Fahrenheit. You think USC is going to compete first year? I understand they got Lincoln Riley. I understand that they got Caleb Williams. This is going to be an incredibly hard transition, and I think this is something you need to think about. If you know you're the Pac-12 commissioner, you're Larry Scott, you're thinking, "How do I save my conference?" Well, put your conference in position for success. I don't know if these kids are going to have success in the first couple of years before you're recruiting well from the middle of the country, flying out five hours every week to go play in 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 a terrain that is incredibly different than where they go to school. I think that weather is a really really important factor that we have to consider. Yeah, and if you're looking at it from the point of view of the L.A. schools, it's not like every game is going to be that. You're probably looking at one, maybe two games a year where you're going to have to deal with conditions you wouldn't normally see on uh, on the West Coast unless you're you know maybe up in Pullman uh, playing Washington State or Seattle. Can't, but, I mean, you can, you can get some frigid temperatures. You can get some snow. But I think that only comes into play a little bit later in – a little bit later in the season. I, I, I agree with you though on, on the time zone thing, like pack 12 after dark. Yeah. There's a bunch of craziness. It's wild. It, it like, for whatever reason, it gets nuts. There have been some insane games on Friday and Saturday nights over the years for pack 12 after dark. And you know, it's got a, a logo that goes around on social media. All that stuff is good and fine and fun, but the, the nuts and bolts of it speak to the poorly negotiated media rights deal by by Larry Scott that new commissioner George Klyovkov now has to has to reckon with because to your point people are not watching those games on on the on the east coast you're not getting as much exposure and you're not getting as much as higher ratings which means you don't have as much money to bring in to then distribute back to your schools and going back to the financial discussion that that you alluded to a little bit earlier as well when you look at the payouts that conferences are making to teams on, on, on a yearly basis, we're, we're talking tens of millions of dollars more. Like on an annual basis in 2022, this according to SI, I read this earlier today, the, uh, the 2022 payouts from the conferences uh, to schools were $57 million in the Big Ten, $54 in the SEC, about $41 in the Big 12, $34 in the in the Pac-12 and about 31 in the ACC. I mean, that's massive. That that that's not like, oh, you know, they have so much money, like what's a few 10 million dollars. You go to any athletic director, I dare you to find me one at any school. It could be Texas, it could be Duke, it could be USC. I don't care. I dare you to find one who wouldn't say, yeah, that would make a difference in how we operate a, a, as an athletics department. And and the TV and then the, the the other part of it is, you're losing Los Angeles now, as the Pac-12. That's not your market anymore. And that was a huge, huge draw. And you don't have that. 
is it enough to survive as a conference with Oregon and Washington and Utah and a couple Mountain West schools? Yes. Are you power five? Barely. I mean, you become even more comparable to the American conference, I, I, I would say. And your biggest media market there is probably Seattle. I, 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 w- I would guess I'm not a Nielsen ratings guru or anything of the sorts, but I mean, it, it just becomes tougher to compete when you look at the nut. You got to get, if you're a commissioner, you need people to know who your, your conference or who the teams in your conference are, and you need them to watch the games, both to grow that familiarity, but also, also because that's how money comes in. That like that's a big part of why the Pac-12 is behind the other conferences financially. I mean, the Big 12 has had really just a couple good teams over the years. They've seen some growth certainly. Baylor has had a couple really nice years. They've got a great coach in in Dave Aranda. Oklahoma State has been a real steady presence there. Like they've had some some teams that have been respectable and solid. So they're a little bit deeper in the Pac-12. But are they that much better? Like Big Ten or SEC better? I'd say no. But the financials are there because. They've got some more markets that they can exploit. Oklahoma is really big. Texas, of course, has got a, b- a bunch of eyeballs as well. And so you just run into a numbers issue when you take out the millions of people and college football fans in Los Angeles from your conference. That that That's why it looks like for schools like Oregon and Washington, it might be the best path forward financially to jump ship because you're looking around going, how are you going? We're like Financially, we were already behind. As a conference, how are you going to close the gap when you lose Los Angeles? Like, that's a really tough sell for Klyovkov, isn't it? Yeah, and 100%. And, and, and on your point, which I think is, is, is right on the nose, we've already agreed that you're not going to get the eyeballs during the, you know, for Pac-12 after dark from the East Coast, from the big media markets, you know, throughout the Midwest. Like, they're you not going to They're not they're, you never have. And so your goal as Pac-12 commissioner, right, is to have your teams perform well in the postseason. You need a team in the New Year's Six, and thank goodness for the Rose Bowl for you for the last, you know, X amount of years, because everybody knows the Rose Bowl. Everybody watches the Rose Bowl. That's the, t- that's the time where, you know, people on a national stage start to understand the Oregon brand. You know, they see the the, the cool Nike jerseys, they understand the, the high-flying Chip Kelly offenses. Like, that's when you make your money as a Pac-12 school. You become a national brand at these big bowl games, whether that's competing in the CFP, whether that's competing not just in the New Year's Six, but towards New Year's Day in a, in a legitimate bowl. And now I think you find yourself in a really tough position. A, what happens to the Rose Bowl, right? If Oregon and Washington jump ship, what is the incentive for the Rose Bowl to have auto qualifying berths from the Pac-12? Where your best the Rose, case yeah, scenario? Because the Rose Bowl is sorry to cut you off. It's a so UCLA. It's yeah, a UCLA. Yeah, yeah, the Rose Bowl is where UCLA plays. But also, when you're talking about the Rose Bowl committee, they are their own entity. It is right. like the the Rose Bowl has historically had that or that that contract between you know originally the Pac-8, now the Pac-12, and the Big Ten. But if the Pac-12 ceases to have anybody who's consistently good or nationally relevant or they don't think the conference is good enough, the Rose I, I don't know what the contracts are, but the Rose Bowl committee are their own people who are whose job it is to make that game as big as possible. If you lose the Rose Bowl, you're done. A hundred percent. And let's not pretend like USC and UCLA have been holding this conference up. Frankly, they've been embarrassments the last, you know, sort of for the vast majority of the last decade or so. Um Fine. However, the brand power can't be discounted. And the brand power, the staying power, the, the visual of having USC, the Trojans in the Rose Bowl, or UCLA 
playing in their own stadium in the Rose Bowl. These are things that keep the Rose Bowl committee interested, right? Why would you stay? You don't. You're not going to keep the Pac-12, as we've talked about, which will look more like the Mountain West or, a, you know, the American Conference, like a, 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 a mid-major conference rather than than as, as something that's in, in, in the vein of the Power Five. You're not going to keep that as part of the New Year Six. So if that is the case, right, I don't know how you save this conference, right? The Rose Bowl's out the window. Your, your biggest brands are out the window. I don't know where you go. And the other thing that's important to think about is, fine, if the Rose Bowl goes out the window, you can still qualify for the CFP. You could still play in the Rose Bowl just as a college football semifinal. The thing is, there's so much uncertainty with how the playoff committee's uh, outlook is going to be uh, going forward as soon as 2024 hits, right? Because it used to be, okay, if you're undefeated and you're in a Power 5 conference, you're almost certainly into the playoff. There's basically zero chance you won't be in the playoff. If you're a one-loss champion from the SEC, kind of the, 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 the conferences we view as more legitimate, the SEC or the Big Ten, 99.9% chance you're in. And if you have one loss and you're not a conference champion and you get those conferences, you might make it in, like we've seen with Ohio State, like we've seen with Alabama um, over the years that we've had the CFP. Now your job gets really complicated because it used to be, right, if you go back and look at the last five, seven years, um, as long as we've had the CFP, if you go back and look, the conferences have largely been incredibly top-heavy. People like to suggest like there's a lot of parity in college football from time to time. That's not true. We know that Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, these are the names that we're going to be saying you know, at the end of the year, every year. The reason that they're able to be successful is Alabama schedules Cupcake State you know, two games a year. And then the bottom half of the SEC and the bottom half of the Big Ten are the dregs of college football. They're terrible programs. You can't blame them because all the kids from those regions want to go to the power schools. They want to go to Alabama. They want to go to Georgia. So you get a school like Kentucky, right? Basketball school that happens to have a football team in your conference and you beat up on them. You get Vanderbilt, a team that should belong in the newly forming Pac-12, right? <laughs> or uh, maybe they should be relegated to the Mountain West themselves. I don't know. But um, point is, the kind of uh, uh, um, default positions that we know the college football playoff committee used to have, which is one loss Pac-12 champion, maybe in likely out. One loss SEC champion, definitely in. You know, undefeated Pac-12 champion, definitely in. These kind of things are going to change drastically when you've got Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC, and when you've got uh, UCLA and USC in the Big Ten. Because now, right, these conferences are going to cannibalize each other. Now you've got to play a, a number of conference games. So if you're Ohio State, it's not just okay. We play cupcakes, except for um, um, Michigan and Michigan State. Um, this type of thing, right? Now you've got four real games with top 25 teams on your schedule. And so now we could easily have a number one seed at the end of the year that has two or three, even three, I could see losses, depending on how that, you know, the, the, the different uh, uh, conferences line up and, and, and how the schedules line up, right? And so understanding what it takes to make the CFP as part of a Pac-12 conference that doesn't have USC, that doesn't have UCLA, is incredibly complicated. Does undefeated Oregon make it over two loss Big Ten champion USC? I don't know. I don't know. How about a one loss non-conference champion Big Ten team that's a big brand, right? USC, Ohio State, Michigan. They've got to make it over lossless Oregon if lossless Oregon's only beaten Oregon State, Utah, and so on and so forth in games that no one's watched. I think this problem that the Pac-12 currently has of trying to get conference legitimacy is just going to be extremely exacerbated as we enter completely uncharted, uncharted territory for this playoff committee. And I think that's another thing you have to consider if, if you're trying to save the Pac-12 in its current incarnation.
Here's the hypothetical we will close with today, talking to Dave Bargava, former Sports Talk radio host and a frequent guest on shows I've hosted in the past as well. And he is a Stanford grad, and I want to ask you briefly about Stanford in this hypothetical. This is something I, I could very realistically see playing out just as, again, a hypothetical that I'm concocting on my own accord. Oregon and Washington go to the Big Ten. Rumors have been there. At that point, if the conference ceases to exist, you have to then ask the question where everybody else goes and what show I will then be hosting at that point in time. But let's cross (laughs) that bridge when we come to it. I think at that point, Arizona and Arizona State would look at the Big 12. And then you'd be left with four schools that don't have, I think, an obvious choice as to where to go. Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, Cal. To me... Stanford feels like they could go independent and be like Notre Dame. That is a very realistic option in my view when you consider both schools have stringent academic standards and have that sort of rich tradition and, of course, their rivals that that play every year. So let's say that happened. Cal, Washington State, Oregon State. Are there options just Mountain West or, or, or nothing? Because I don't see either the Big 12 or I could see the Big 12 adding the Arizona schools because you've got a geographical similarity a, a little bit there. It's not that far from uh, from Texas and some of those Big 12 schools. Uh, you also have a decent number of recruits in Arizona that the Big 12 might want to tap in. Like, there are advantages there. There's a reason I think that that works. But Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, w- would they actually have to go to the Mountain West? I, I like Like, what... If that were to happen, those three schools, and you can opine about Stanford as well, like what do they do? I think they have to go to the Mountain West. I don't think you have a choice. And this is the this is the problem when you're not a, a powerful brand in your conference. You are beholden to the whims of what the actual powerful brands in your conference are going to do. Right? There is no conference left. There, the, the conference is currently on life support, as we've talked about ad nauseum. But there is no conference left if Oregon and Washington leave. You have to go somewhere. The Mountain West is standing there with open arms. They have a little bit of TV money. right? They, they'll be able to, to support your small programs. Stanford is in a really tough spot. I think you drew a lot of important parallels with Notre Dame, like the academic quality, the fact that David Shaw is one of the highest paid coaches in the league. Clearly, uh, um, um, clearly, there's a lot of booster money, a lot of, a lot of interest from the top. The problem with Stanford is that Notre Dame draws eyeballs to, to the television screen. There's a reason that the college football playoff committee loves putting Notre Dame into the playoff and watching them get waxed in the first round. People it's watch. Not because they have a, it's, yeah, it's not because they have a chance to win. It's The question is, who do we want getting waxed by 35 points against Alabama? And against, you know, when the choice is between Notre Dame and any Pac-12 school, they always choose Notre Dame. It's because the fan base is rabid. You know, there's this... This, this expression that they use a lot, right, in the SEC, right, it means more. Well, it means more, not just in the SEC. It means more. This is this is part of the reason that I think the, te- the Texas-Oklahoma thing is going to work seamlessly with the SEC is I've been lucky enough to be in the state of Texas during the Red River, River rivalry, right, when Texas plays Oklahoma. And the whole state, everywhere you go, you either have to be wearing that dark red maroon color or you have to be wearing the burnt orange and white. There's no crimson. option. Crimson. Crimson's crimson. the That's color. The, crimson. Crimson. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, there's no option, right? All the bars are full. All the TVs are on. If you are not indoors watching the game or outdoors watching the game, 
right? You were a pariah in Texas at the time. That's going to work great with the SEC. With Stanford, they should change their school slogan to it means less. Because, my God, <laughs> it doesn't matter how good this team is. Nobody watches. Like Notre Dame, it means more. People tune in. The playoff committee wants them in. That's how you work as an independent, right? They've been left out a couple times, and that's why these conversations with the ACC have sort of been going on for the last, you know, 10 years, let's say. But Stanford doesn't have that backing. If Stanford were to go independent, they'd be playing in the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl every year until I no longer am on this planet. Like, there's no hope for them. No one wants Stanford. Stanford fans don't even want Stanford. So I'm sorry. I got to relegate the dregs of the conference to the Mountain West. And if I'm Stanford, I'm begging to get invited because as an independent, you're going to have to close up your sports programs. I mean, Stanford's got a, a, a sporting athletic excellence across a wide variety of sports. And we've talked almost exclusively about football in this, con in this conversation. But it's important to understand that, you know, when USC and UCLA are moving to the Big Ten, they're taking all their teams with them, right? That includes basketball. For UCLA, that includes gymnastics. Like there's a lot of uh, excellence up and down. Uh, the, the, the list of sports, Stanford has that same excellence, but without a proper home for your football team, which is supposed to be your cash cow, you can say goodbye to the rest of it. It is the conference of champions in just about every college sport, except for the two drivers of the bus, football and men's <laughs> basketball. Like that's the, the irony of, of all of this is, yeah, I, I think I think you make a valid a valid point there that it would be it would be in a you'd be in a tough situation. The other side of it is Stanford could always just bankroll with the money they have at the school in general because as you well know, having graduated from that university in Palo Alto, they are not short on funds for literally anything that they decide that they that they want to put money into. They, they've they've got the funds, they've got the donors and the boosters to to do it. I don't know the difference between a donor and a booster. I guess a booster is probably just like regular, like more like recurring. Like is there is there a semantic difference there, or is that just a, saying the same word twice? I'm not 100 percent sure either, but you know, we'll, we'll, let's call it the same. Let's call it the same. Yeah, we'll 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 call it good, and we'll call it there. Uh, call it good there for today. Dave Bargava, former radio show host. At Stanford and frequent guests on my shows, I have talked to him many a times, and this is the uh, first time he has been on the show. If you don't like him, hop in the YouTube comments and let me know <laughs> that I shouldn't bring him back. But thanks for coming on, Dave. Good talking. You know, Spencer, let me sign off with this. College football needs a commissioner, and I can be unemployed and ready to work in a heartbeat. <laughs> thanks so much for having me on. I'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'll see you next time, and have a wonderful rest of your day.